This is the Commonwealth City Church Podcast. Thanks for listening. Commonwealth is a church in Lexington, Kentucky. For more info, visit our website at commonwealthcitychurch.com and follow us on Instagram at comcitychurch. We hope you enjoy the message. This, uh, this week I had, an, you know, in light of Mother's Day, I spent in preparation for today, I, I, I thought a lot more about my own mom and my wife and what kind of a mother she is and, and what a blessing that is. And last weekend, I had the opportunity to, to go back home, which is only an hour south for me. I grew up in, in London and I uh, got to spend the weekend with my mom because I usually get to spend this weekend with her. And the Lord reminded me, it was so evident from the moment I walked into to her house that her mothering hadn't stopped. It didn't stop just because, you know, I had moved out of the house, but um, it continued even into, you know, me in my 30s. It continued um, into the lives of my own kids and seeing her pour out just love and devotion and prepping meals and in loving on my own kids and planning activities and just that reminder that, you know, that, that mother, mothering is a lifelong journey. It is a lifelong calling. And so before, you know, the, the message this morning is going to be primarily an exhortation to parents and for a lot of you future parents. Um, and I hope that what God has to say to you this morning um, just ignites a zeal and a passion um, that starts now that will flow into your future marriages and future families um, as a father and a mother. But I did want to take just a minute to exhort Uh, the mothers in this room, and to just uh, remind you that mothering is a great, great work. And it's one that God has given you as an opportunity to influence the next generation. And it's, it's a weighty calling, and it's one that doesn't come with very much public accolades. A lot of what you do happens behind the scenes. Um, But it, it has a purpose. All the mundane things has a purpose. Um, in your children's lives. And I know a lot of times it's easy to be distracted in the mundane, whether it's meals or whatever the need is that's coming up in the week, like to get so distracted by that. But I want to exhort you this morning to remember to lean into Christ in the midst of those times you feel insufficient, that He is there to be your strength, that His strength is made perfect in your weakness, and lean into that and allow His grace to fill that void, always be seeking Him. Um, and in not just a few minutes, I'm going to have an opportunity to invite several families up this morning. We're going to be, uh, they desire to stand before us, the faith family, and before the presence of God to present their children and to dedicate their children to the Lord. Um, but before we do that, I always feel that it's prudent for me to lay a little bit of a foundation from God's Word as to what kind of a calling that is as parents, what that means for them as mothers and fathers, but also what it means for us as a faith community to come alongside them in in this great endeavor. Um, For me personally, uh, a passion for next generation ministries, that's what I like to call it because I feel like this passage especially in, in Psalm 78 points to that generational mindset, this legacy that God calls us to, to leave behind. And that, that began for me not too long after the first heartbeat of my child, you know, my, my son, my oldest, um, the first heartbeat that I saw on that ultrasound 
And I remember just feeling the weight of that and wanting to devour all the books and try to figure out, make a list, you know, and create, you know, asking God to give me a vision of, of Christ-centered parenting and discipleship for my family and, and just feeling that weight. And even more so when he was born and, and holding him in my arms and being like, wow, God is like giving me my own human being. <laughs> like he is created in the image of God and yet created in, in my image. But the reality of him, he inherited my, my sin nature. <laughs> um, but the weight of that and just recognizing that God calls us not just for the parents, but as a church and as a, a faith family of God to disciple and come alongside and build up the next generation. And so the Lord has, has blessed me to be able to translate that vision, not just in my own family, but to Commonwealth City Church. And so kind of as an overarching theme for what I'm going to be talking about this morning, I wanted to share what our vision is um, for, for Commonwealth City Church's vision for um, our children uh, that grow up in this faith family. As a Commonwealth City Church, we believe that we have been made sons and daughters of the Most High God, knitted together in the Spirit, united as a family through the blood of Jesus Christ. We believe that true joy is found when Jesus is our highest treasure and our heart's delight. Therefore, we seek to train and equip the next generation of Christ's followers to treasure Him by learning who He is and His character and His attributes, how to honor Him in joy and worship, how to obey Him through study and memorization of the Word. And you got to see some of that on display. I love seeing the kids sing the Scripture because I know that, that it's, written, it's being written on their hearts. And so through the power of the Holy Spirit, we seek to nurture the faith of the next generation by equipping both the church and the home with resources and training that instruct the mind, engage the heart, and influence the will through the whole counsel of God. So that's kind of our vision mission statement. I know that's a, a lofty vision, but I believe that we serve a lofty God, and I believe that it is honoring to Him to shoot at things that, or to aim at things that um, we can't do in our own strength. Um, so um, here in just a second, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a few minutes. We're going to be walking through Psalm 78, if you want to be turning there. We work walking through the first seven verses that I believe gives credence to that vision and kind of lays a foundation. But I want to give one quick aside and talk about something that we're not going to do when we dedicate our children and when we commission our parents. And a lot of times it may be something in the church that you grew up in. Um, you, you may have participated in this as a child, but... Um, there are those that believe that children are a, are a member of the covenant community simply by being born into the family of God. Um, um, however, we believe that the new covenant community is created by the second birth and not the first birth. And that it's given to those who are, who are born of the spirit into a spiritual family and not those who are born in the flesh into a physical family. So there are a couple examples of this just as a little bit of an a undergirding of, the, of why we do that. And one is, is in Acts 2 when Peter is proclaiming 
the word. He's talking primarily to um, a group of, uh, you know, 3,000 uncircumcised Jews that come to faith, and he tells them to repent and be baptized. You see this symbol of them moving from one community into another, being born of the Spirit. And again, in Acts 19, we see, uh, we see that the disciples of John, who had been baptized by John, called in to be rebaptized um, when they were born of the Spirit and, and, and of faith and repentance in Christ. And so we believe that the new covenant community, our church, our local community, is not something that you can just be physically born into. It's something that you're born into by the Spirit. And so the evidence of that new birth is faith and repentance, and we place a sign on that that's not salvific, but it's a symbol and an affirmation called baptism. And so that's, that's kind of what we believe here at Commonwealth City. And so what does that mean for our children? What is, what is, how do they fit into this new covenant community? Well, we believe that God has placed these children in our families and we are kind of the guardians until faith, until faith is awakened unto Christ in them. And we believe that um, as a church body, whether you're single or, or whether you have a child in this, in this faith community, that we are called to be spiritual foster care, so to speak, for these children. Okay, this is a community effort. This is a, a, the, the community, the local body of Christ recognizing these children as gifts and seeking to, to raise them up. And so what I'd like to do is, is walk through a few of these scriptures. This is not going to be a super long sermon, um, but just I want to take a few minutes uh, to, to kind of undergird those truths with what our biblical obligations are, one as parents and one as a community of believers. And so if you would, if you would stand just to honor God's word, we're going to read the first seven verses of Psalm 78. It's the word of the Lord. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Dear God, most holy Father, we praise you for being that faithful God that we got to sing about, recognizing that you're with us in the mountains, on the mountaintops, and in the valleys. Lord, we recognize that this, this command, this commitment that you're calling these parents to, this community to, Lord, like we, we are not able to keep these promises. Lord, we need you. We need your supernatural power to come alongside us, to help us pour into the next generation that they will be firmly planted on your word, that they will walk in obedience and honor you as such, that your glory will be on display in their lives. Lord, I pray for these few minutes that you've blessed me with to declare your truth. I pray that I'm just a mouthpiece. May, may nothing that I say be remembered other than what you speak. 
Lord, may you speak to hearts. May you give us a zeal and a passion to see our children walk in faith. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. So like I said, this, this won't be very long, but just a few minutes. Um, I believe we're going to focus primarily on verses 4 through 7. And I think there's four building blocks here of spiritual guardianship that kind of lead into then two other things that we hope that, that we want our children to walk in, and that is hope in God and keeping His commandments. So four building blocks that lay a foundation for our children placing their hope in God and keeping His commandments. So the first one is God is the epicenter. God is central to, to all that we do within our family. Hey, I think that seems to be a given. But look at this verse 4. We, we will not hide them from their children, but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. And I think this reminds me that we are serving a person. Okay, We are not following a moral code. We are not what we do is, is, can be classified by some as religion, but we know that once you've experienced who God is, like we serve a person. And our goal as parents in this community is to make him known, to lift him high, to, to, for him to be supreme. We recognize that from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. The verse from Romans so we are to make known this great God that we serve, his glorious deeds, that he is mighty in power. He is faithful and just, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. We're to make his character glorious, to make it magnified in our families, that our children might catch a glimpse of this glorious God, that they wouldn't just learn about him, but they would learn the integral details of who he is. That what, once they see him, that it, everything else in this world would pale in comparison. If there's one thing that we want our children to remember, it's the greatness of God. When they think back to their time living at home, it's that hopefully that it's God was magnified, God was lifted up, God was made known, that he was supreme, that he was the author, the beginning and the end of our family. He must be central. He is the epicenter. Number two, his word is central. Verse five, the beginning, the first two lines there, he established a testimony. God established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel. God's word has to be that lens with which we look through for everything. It's the lens with which we live and so we see that, that God, he, he's, he's testifying, he's created this testimony in Jacob, and he's appointed this law. The Hebrew word there is Torah, it means teaching, right? That's what they called the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah, it was the teaching. This is in, in the story that he wrote through Israel, that was his, his testimony. And so where do we find that, right? We find that not just in the first five books, but in all of God's word. This is a gift that's been given to us to see the magnificent beauty of the glory of God. We're to study it, delve into it. We're to make it known to our children. We're to live that out. 
This means that this book is not on a shelf like the rest of the books in your home. It is not, it is not put as equals. It is lifted above. It is worn. It is open daily. It is proclaimed to our children as life, recognizing that it is living and active, that it, that it discerns the thoughts and intentions of our heart. These aren't normal words. These are the words of God, and our children need to know that which flows into the third building block. Teach it. The end of verse 5, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. I'm going to unpack that a little bit because in verse 4 he said, telling the coming generations. Now we're teaching the coming generations. It's not simply enough for us to say that God is important, that his word is important, but we must teach it. It must be more than just word. It's more than just bringing your kids on a Sunday morning to hear a sermon or be taught in children's ministry. This is an every day of the week. One of the most detrimental things we can do to our children is to tell them one thing on Sunday and live another way the rest of the week. It is absolutely detrimental. If you spend much time searching for parenting verses, as I'm I'm sure you will if you, um, if you have a child on the way or you're becoming new parents. You begin to, to dig into the scriptures. One of the scriptures that you'll come up on really quick is Deuteronomy chapter 6. And Moses has written down God's laws and his commands. And he tells the people that they're to love the Lord their God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says this, These words shall be on your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. So this isn't a one-time-a-week commitment. This is a daily thing. This is, this is to, be seep, it's to seep into the very fabric of, of, our, of our lives, of our homes, into our motivations, into our rhythms, that when we face difficulties and trials, like a wet towel that's wrung out like when those, those trials press us, the glorious goodness of God is what seeps out of our families, that our children know to cling to Him. J.C. Ryle, in his book, The Duties of Parents, gives this warning. He said, Fathers and mothers, do not forget that children learn more by the eye than by, they do by the ear. What they see has a much stronger effect on their minds than what they're told. Think not. Your children will practice what they do not see you do. It's weighty for me as a parent. It's weighty. I need this constant reminder. You guys need this reminder, this calling that we have to disciple the next generation. We need that reminder. We need to be stirred. And this takes intentionality. It takes effort. And it's not going to come easy in fact, I think it's getting harder and harder because it's this constant swimming against the current of our culture, and it, it, it's not going to get any easier. So as this scripture calls us to, to say this happens when we eat and when we go, when we lie down, when we rise, this is not for us to just say, okay, I said something about it when I woke up and when I went to bed. It's not, it's not a checklist. The, the point is, like, it's every time. It's, it's, it's in everything that we do, right? It's, and, it, and it's not just something that we do, it needs to be who we are, right? God, God makes us new creations. It's who we are. The fourth building block 
so they will know it. Look at verse 6. That the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. Now, this is not just a head knowledge, okay? From, from our teaching comes their knowing. We talked about this, I talked about this a few months ago when we were talking about Epaphras and the connection between life and doctrine and how when the doctrine comes in, it flows out to our life. So this is not just an, a knowledge in the mind. It, it must take root in the heart. It becomes an experiential knowledge. And we have to recognize that our children can easily know a whole bunch of Sunday school answers. Praise God that, that, we, can, that we can teach them and train them and have them sing and memorize the Word and, and fill their mind up with the Word of God because a lot of times what goes in is what's going to come out. That's the way God has designed it. But we have to recognize, too, that we can teach until we're blue in the face and we can create an environment that fosters experience with God, and we're called to do that, but we cannot save our children. That we require the Holy Spirit to regenerate the hearts of our children, and that it's ultimately up to Him to implant that word in their hearts in a way that they're transformed, in a way that they delight in Him. And so that experiential knowledge that propels them then into these next two things, our ultimate aim and goal as, as a parents, parents in a faith community, is verse 7a, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. We make God central, we make His Word central, we teach it diligently so that they might experience the fullness of who he, are, who he is so that they will place their hope and their confidence in God. This is our ultimate aim in all of our, our educating our children and pointing them toward Christ, that they would not trust in their own abilities that, lead, that would lead to pride and arrogance and them puffing themselves up, but that in all of their ways, like Proverbs 3 says, they would acknowledge God and allow Him to direct their paths. So if we want our kids to learn that they must depend on God or perish, then as a faith family and as parents, we must learn that we too have to depend on God or perish. They must see us leaning into God, petitioning Him for, to sustain us, to lead us, to guide us, and then walk faithfully in obedience to what He's calling us to to be raw with our children, to let them see that we cannot do this in our own strength, but we are dependent on God. And that will lead to the end of verse 7, that they would not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. It would lead to a life of obedience. That is our ultimate aim, our ultimate goal, hope in God and a life of obedience to Him. When that confidence in God is rooted in the faithful teaching of the truth of who God is and what His Word says, then a life of obedience is the fruit of that. It's the fruit of the Spirit that's produced. And so our aim is not self-sufficient, um, self-reliant, self-confident children, but that our children would be God-confident, God-sufficient, that they would be firmly planted warriors on the rock of Christ. That is our aim. 
And when we and our children walk confidently in obedience to these truths, then God's love and his justice, his beauty and his worth and his wisdom is made like a beacon to the world. It's Matthew 5.16, right? His glory is put on display. And I'm reminded of that Habakkuk 2.14 scripture that our families would, would live in such a way that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord like the waters cover the sea. Oh God, may that be true. May that be true of us.